Hey, welcome to In The Shift, a podcast for when life and faith go off script. My name is Michael Frost, and this is episode 63 of In The Shift, an episode I don't actually know exactly what, of talking about mega church related issues and, and really toxic church environments more, more generally. I'm joined again today by Shane Meyer-Holt to talk through what happens when we come to see ourselves as the ones with the answers, when we see ourselves as the good guys, so to speak, or the ones who have the hope, the light the world needs and, that the, and where the world is a dark place. And how that kind of paradigm of faith, whilst functioning for us in a lot of ways, can actually also lead, lead to some really problematic outcomes. So we're talking about that on the pod today. Um, we have some conversations coming um, they just sometimes require a little bit more logistics to involve people from outside the two of us. Uh, we have some more conversations coming, though, in relation to, I think, to gender and to race and to navigating trauma and to a bunch of stuff around that that I think that will involve more people than, than just Shane and I and that I hope will be really helpful to those of you who are, who are needing and wanting and desiring more breadth and diversity in the conversations that, that we're having. And I think, in a sense, that's all of us. We all, we all need that. So... Um, so keep an eye out for those uh, over the coming weeks or, or month or two. Um, as always, you can get in touch. Feedback at intheshift.com. Man, just amazing to hear from so many of you and, and your stories and, and the heartache and the reflections and the insights and the wisdom that you hold. Um, so each story uh, kind of moves me um, deeply as, as I hear the experience of people. So please keep sharing those with us and keep letting us know things we need to communicate or talk about or things that we've missed or insight you'd like to share. You can, of course, um, as I've said before, support uh, In The Shift at, at patreon.com slash In The Shift. Come over there, chuck us a few bucks a month if you want to help keep this sustainable and you'll get to join a, a patron-only Discord online community where we're having lots of great and meaningful conversations and holding space for one another as we process through some of this and just generally as we process through the the journey of faith, whether that's deconstruction, reconstruction or um, processing out of harmful and toxic forms of belief or, or whatever it might be that you need. So if that feels like you, come along. Um, the last thing perhaps to say is just, and, and this really comes from some of the feedback over the last little while of people sharing just how emotional it's been for them to listen to these episodes, to listen to these conversations and the number of people who are, who are moved you know, to tears for whom are having to maybe listen to it in little bits because it's just too much or who find themselves you know, sobbing as, and, and weeping as, as they listen along. Um, so I guess this is just, a, just an encouragement to go gently, um, that if you need space, have space that if you need to stop, stop. Um, if you need to listen to it when you're not on your way to a really critical work meeting or something like that, then, that, then you know, just, just go gently and, and kindly with yourself in this. Um, it's, it's a lot to process for many of us and it's totally normal and understandable uh, for, for that that emotional response to come to the surface when engaging in this stuff because it is so deeply woven um, within us. And we've talked about the impact of religious trauma um, and, and its kind of potency. So it's so all of that to say, um, go gently and, and take it as you need it. Um, so with all of that said, uh, today we're getting into a conversation 
about um, what happens when we're the good guys or we think we are. This is episode 63 of In The Shift. Let's get into it. Here we are, Shane Meyer-Holt and Michael Frost, giving all of the answers to all of your problems. <laughs> is, that, is that a good setup? <laughs> That's exactly right. We are pitting ourselves as the experts and gurus in anti-expertise and guruism. That's, well, what a combination. Mm. The guru on how not to be a guru. Your tone also makes us sound a little bit like sports stars of some kind, which My- I can assure you we're definitely not. No, well, you know. Um, oh, there was that prophecy. I forget the prophecy. I did have the prophecy about yep. the success in sports. I will say the last game of cricket that I played, which was some years ago now, um, but it haunts my dreams, much like the mega church, <laughs> uh, because uh, I went out to um, to open the batting and uh, got bowled first ball. Oh, first ball! Can you believe it? You can't. You can't go out on that, Michael. And you that was the last comeback. game. That was the last competitive, semi-competitive <laughs> slash social game of cricket I played in my life. <laughs> and I still lie in bed at night thinking, you know what I should have done? I should have got my front foot out to the ball. You know, oh, always covered the swing. Yeah. That's the key. <laughs> anyway, That's there's the key. some niche cricket content for all of our <laughs> excellent <laughs> listeners out there. Tremendous. Uh, oh, sure. That's what they 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 come for the deconstruction. They stay for the sports stories. That's right. Exactly. At least they're not just sports analogies. You know, you know what the Bible's like. <laughs> a doosra. Oh, doosra! Like now you now yeah. you're getting technical. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I was just trying to I was trying to channel my best like sports pastor. Yeah, no, that wasn't know, that wasn't bad analysis. Yeah. Um, did you go to men's conferences? Because every men's conference I went to. It included some form of like push-up competition, um, Harley Davidson pie-eating competition, Harley <laughs> Davidson. Actually, I'll tell you what. Here's the funniest story I have from a men's conference. Can I tell you <laughs> <Excellent>. this story? <laughs> the funniest story that you can tell. The funniest story that I can tell from a men's conference. I have, some, I have many others. Was was when uh, they was actually it was a men's breakfast, and uh, and the. There was an MC for the event who was also a media personality who used to do um, some sports highlights, some sort of funny sports highlights on the news every week. Oh, he'd been brought in to MC the event. And so he was, before the event started, he had a whole lot of rolling clips of these um, various highlights that he plays on his show. Uh, it just so happened that one of them involved a naked woman streaker streaking across <laughs> a rugby field. And so as we all sat around preparing to hear various sports analogies and how they applied to our spiritual lives <laughs> on the three giant screens. <laughs> um, a naked woman streaker running across uh, running across the rugby field and everybody looked around very uncomfortably, not quite sure what to do. <laughs> the most tremendous thing about that story was because the debrief meeting was quite vicious, you know. Um, well, it was it was robust. Debrief meetings usually are. And, uh, and then and the next men's breakfast, they played exactly the same clip again. <laughs> so great. Well, when you're onto uh, a winner, Michael, when the people look, when the people come for a little light, uh, soft focus nudity, then man, got to keep them happy. Those, was that, it, and that was a mistake. The next men's the next time was a, yeah, they were very much the people in the room that ran that were instructed to definitely not play that bit. 
And then they, I think, accidentally did. Very humorous. <laughs> After saving it to their hard drive, yeah. Um, so anyway, we're not talking Good. about that today. Oh. Uh, not in any more depth. Anyway, what we do want to talk about is something that has um, come up a bit along the way because all of these things are so intersecting and, and overlapping. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think it's, and we've talked a bit about it ourselves over the years, I think, is um, is this issue of kind of what happens when you think you're the good guys um, and how positioning yourself as like the good ones who are here to save the day can end up with such problematic and harmful outcomes, right? So that's what we want to, that's what we want to throw around today. Yes? Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk about sort of some of the implications of that, but perhaps to start with, to talk a bit about what shapes up that that paradigm or that kind of worldview of we are we are the good guys, um, and therefore mm. we're doing the good thing, and therefore mm. anything that comes against us, if you like, or that seeks to besmirch us and our reputation is <laughs> somehow working against the good in the world and therefore against God. Indeed. Um, so I guess uh, like a fundamental... Touch, touching left. God's anointed and not yeah, in the well, good way. Well, that's right. No, <laughs> don't do that. Um, Actually, don't do either of them. Yeah. So there's... This is a... It must be said, there is a there is a thread of this problem through all of kind of evangelical Christianity, actually, to many, mm. in many respects, mm. which is kind of putting Christians and the church at the center of saving the world. So it's a certain mm. kind of... And maybe we won't go through all of the theology of this today. But it is a certain kind of framework that sees um, the you know church essentially is the the what the custodians or the the witnesses or the, those who have the Jesus the Jesus in them because um, <laughs> Jesus knocked on the door of their heart and they let mm-hmm. him in um, through the little door that is in your heart. Yes, it's, yep. a, it's very it's hard to spot, but it's there. Um, and because we kind of because we as then Christians have. Jesus and salvation, etc. We're sort of on the side of good, seeking to rescue people from hell and from mm. the bad. So the mm. church becomes kind of the good place, the light place, and then the world is often the bad place or the the dark place. And I remember thinking very much in those kind of binary terms as a, as a younger mm. man, and, and and maybe because when you're younger, like binary views of the world do come more easily. To the way your sure brain do. is structured, right? When you're younger um, or have arrested development. Yeah, so when you're younger, you are supposed to kind of move through that phase. But I think mm. what this kind of form of, of faith has done is kind of almost lock it in, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. Lock it in, Eddie. And, um, and so you end up with this kind of binary of the church is good and the world is kind of bad and dark. Christians mm. are uh, the ones with the answer. Even if you're not like Christians are all the best people because Christians are just saved by grace, you know, or something mm. like that. Mm. Um, I am I am a worm, Michael. Yes. Don't forget exactly. that. Yeah. Um, but you're a, a worm that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a correct you know? worm. You're a yeah. correct worm because you know yeah. you're a worm and other people mm. don't know they're worms and they need to be yeah. reminded. They, you know, so you, so you end up with this, this binary. We've kind of got the answers and, and, and they out there don't. And so they need the answer that we have and we need to take it to them, yeah. Mm. Does that sound mm. familiar to you? It, it sounds familiar within the church, obviously. But if you're into <laughs> geopolitics, America is the guardians of democracy. Um, it sounds very familiar from that. Also, uh, mm. it sounds familiar from all empires. Yes, uh, the Roman Empire, which is there to bring the peace of Rome, mm. um, peace by the sword. Mm. Um, 
we have a gift to give you, <laughs> and, and it's making sure that you are uh, brutalized enough that you are impotent uh, in a power sense, uh, and then we will bring you aqueducts in exchange, and everything will be great and squish your culture. Um, mm. So yeah, this isn't just a church thing, but oh boy, does it play out in churches? Because yeah, and we we talked a few episodes ago about the intersection of like colonization and colonizing narratives with um with Christian self understanding. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, and behavior. Yeah. And so it is kind of connected to all of that, right? Yeah. Um, and so you end up with kind of Christians, yeah, the, the um, like, I don't know if you've ever had this conversation. I definitely have, which is somebody meets someone and they're like, and they were a really nice person. And so I was like, I think they're a Christian, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I also hear quite often the, uh, they weren't, a, I, I met a person, they weren't a Christian, but they were really nice. Right. As, as if your response to that should be like, oh, <gasps> What? Oh goodness, but that goes nice against one. all how of my they, categories. How are they pulling that off? <laughs> I have no idea. They yeah. might have been trying to trick me. Yep. Uh, and so the, the, those kind of experiences are all absorbed into the, the overarching narrative of, mm-hmm. of we're the good ones and they're the bad ones. And if they turn out to be kind of, you know, have some things to say, well, that's a bit of an anomaly, but overall. Mm-hmm. And then I think this is kind of amplified, right, in the mega church space, because then it's not just that the world is dark and the church has the answer. Now it's also that our church, or maybe our kind of church mm. in particular. Mm. Us, us and our friends. Us and yeah. our friends. We have the answer that's desperately needed. And mm. all the other churches are, are doing a bit of a rubbish job. They're mm. a bit embarrassing. Probably should be shut down. Probably too should many, be shut down. Too many cardigans. Um, and and so you take the already kind of the the, the world versus the church, the, the light versus the dark narrative, then you amplify it with our churches in particular and then mm. the rest of the churches. Mm. Um, and then behind closed doors, <laughs> there's even with even with us and our friends, there's our church in particular, um, which, you know, if we could get away with planting a church under the feet of <laughs> the people we call friends without asking permission, we would because <laughs> we really are the actual really good ones and they don't quite have it quite right. But we won't tell them that publicly because we do need to back each other up and need their support. Yeah. Yeah. The, the 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 levels of competition um, behind closed doors and the stuff is outrageous between people who are supposedly friends. Yes, yes. And so this why I'm starting my new podcast, even shiftier. <laughs> shortly, please do. Can I come on as a guest? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll pay you great sums of money. Um, so. And, you know, what that leads to is you do end up with this, and, and this is a narrative or kind of a story or a paradigm you hear, like, huge amount of, which is um, even though, you know, all around, whether you're in New Zealand, Australia, North America, um, the UK, uh, particularly in these Western contexts that, that we see this kind of church emerge, is this kind of idea that we have this thing that all of the other cities in our nation really mm. kind of need Mm. Um, because there's something unique going on here. God has yeah. given us this unique mantle or a unique yeah. calling. Um, yeah. And so... Well, I, I think particularly when it comes to like, if you call it a revival. Right, a move of God. Then yeah. it's, the direct, it's the direct hand of God. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if this is a move of God, if this is revival, if this is where the Holy Spirit dwells, if this, then no one can deny that the world needs God showing up. Mm. And our our, stati- our statistics prove that it's revival, brackets, transfer growth, um, sure. close brackets. <laughs> but our stats prove that it's revival, and therefore we can claim, you know, that what's happening here is 
a move of God and therefore good and therefore we are good and therefore the world needs us. Mm. Yeah, and so you, you end up with this kind of bizarre, bizarrely ridiculous situation. I mean, churches, of course, will always be planted in new places and all that kind of stuff, mm. and, and that's fine. But the, but the narrative of like, um, we're expanding to such and such a city because that city needs us and needs what we have or needs Jesus and, and we need to yeah. bring it to them. Do you know what Auckland needs, Michael? <laughs> yes. It needs that special thing that we have that is completely different from everyone else that if you squint, you can't tell the difference between exactly. us and yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> but we have a special message or a special thing for that place, for that, that city of Auckland, which is just one homogenized singular space. Well, of um, course it is, yes. Yeah, yeah. not actually neighborhoods made up of different people. Yeah, so you know the, the the whole thing kind of flows. It, it begins with that center of us in the world and Christians being special because we have the answer, and then mm. it flows from there all the way through this kind of growth stuff and this and this the kind of mega mindset um, to to now what we're talking about here. And so you know every city needs what we have, the unique thing that we've got, which isn't unique at all. It's just a a particular, slightly modified version of whatever's probably already there. Mm. Yeah. Um, which again, if we go back to the floods of emails that we get, a number of people who say, wait, I, I, I'd heard that expression in my church and I thought that we came up with that or that's what my pastor said and I yes. thought that was his thing. This yes. is all just the same. Yes, exactly. They're um, all the same person. Totally. So we get that story a lot sent to us. Um, hang on a second. <laughs> wait a minute. I Duff never my had an original pastor idea came up in their with life. that special revelation that dropped into his spirit. <laughs> While um, in the shower. So yeah, and all of this then feeds the kind of we are the good guys, we're the ones mm. with the answer, we're the ones with the solution, we're the ones this city needs or this nation yeah. needs or this world needs, whatever it is. Yeah, and, and look, the the the, the kind of uh, other side to that is like the 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 more the, the more golden hues you're able to paint to yourself in. Uh, the more shades of black you need to paint the world into. So mm, when mm. people are describing the world, I used to remember in my youth group days having the world described to us with things like people are out there getting drunk and they think they're having fun, but they're not, <laughs> which is just to make us feel better about playing fluffy, fluffy bunnies again. And they, were not missing out. they were not missing out on anything. I mean... Parallels with autoerotic asphyxiation, but please you know. send in your fluffy bunny stories. Um, <laughs> Not like nearly choking to death at youth group. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I remember. Like, so, I remember so, preaching a message as a, as a, I don't know, twenty-four year old or something like that at at youth about how I just for some reason it stuck in my mind. I just remember maybe because I had a it got recorded and I listened back to it a few times to sort of see how my preaching was going. And so the phrase, some of the phrases kind of stuck in my mind. And I just remember just just sort of morosely contemplating on, it's dark out there, you know, guys. It's so dark out there, you know. Um, and and, and so, that, Some course, people don't even like me <laughs> out there. I don't know why. Uh, and, of course, then I have the light, um, mm. which they mm. need. Mm. Mm. So let's talk about what this leads to then. If we've got all of that sense of rightness, of goodness on our side that needs to be brought to, to the dark world. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, what does this kind of lead to? What are the implications of this? What are, what are the ways we're seeing this narrative actually play out in really harmful and troubling ways at the moment in these kind of spaces? 
Yeah, there's <clears throat> there's a bunch of ways, and I think I think maybe in, in terms of framing it up, just to give us a bit of structure here, is is to um, maybe talk about the ways in which it affects how we perceive ourselves, um, especially in terms of kind of uh, critique or critiquing ourselves, and then um, ways in which we talk about what we think that we have to offer the world. And so maybe we talk about kind of our self-perception first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the things that that, that um, becomes evident, has become evident in a lot of the stories around um, churches in this space over the last little while is that insiders who believe they are the good guys, and this is, this is true for all of us in all of our contexts, mm. is that if we believe that we're the good guys, we are less likely to believe negative stories about ourselves. Mm. Um, or we find it much easier to minimize them. And one of the pods a little while back, I can't remember, <laughs> 86 episodes back, we talked about um, motivated reasoning and the kind of psychology behind this stuff. Um, but effectively that we, we are kind of structured to protect the in-group um, and believe better things about the in-group mm. uh, and to believe worse things about out-groups. And that um, happens in, in all kind of social structures, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's happened so in cultures happens, across happens in history. Families. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, but the way this plays out in church is that even when stories of harm come out, um, we are much more likely to, um, mis- to, to, to not believe those things to minimize, um, to call into question and kind of like go through with a fine tooth comb why they might be wrong. Mm. Um, and justify our own terrible behavior, even when even when we kind of are pushed to the point where we think it's terrible, to quickly find a way of justifying saying that was in the past or that was just a mistake or that badness doesn't define me um, because I am good. And so any um, any mistakes or any harm or any of those things become things that are categorized and kind of bracketed off from our own self-understanding of our identity um, in a way that if someone in the world did them, <laughs> it would be an expression of who they are at their deep, dark core. You know, mm. they're covering, you know, this is just the real them coming out and all the good things that you see are just a cover-up for how wicked and evil they really are. Yet when we do bad things, um, that was an um, aberration um, and a mistake and it was a while ago or it was justified or it was forgiven or whatever. But it doesn't define who we are because we're, we're actually really lovely and we have God. So we see this. Um, so one of the things I've sort of noticed in in the reaction of some of these senior leaders to hitting some accountability for their actions and behaviours. So whether it's the the Arise story and the John Camerons or the Brian Houstons at Hillsong, or and, and similar people like that in a number of different spaces. And there are plenty. There are well, we could list the stories for forever, uh, probably of those kinds of people. Uh, there's kind of almost this the semi-bemused kind of um, confused mm. reaction from from those mm. people to be like, Where? why is it talking you, about these? This is what you're choosing to focus on? Yeah. Well, we've done all of this. Yeah. You're choosing to focus on that little thing down there? Yes. Um, don't, you know, how, how can you be talking about, like how can you even be making a deal out of this? You found in the, the needle scope in of the my haystack. ministry and in the scope yeah. of what I've accomplished and what God has been doing among us. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we've talked mm. about the apologies a little bit before, but even the apologies themselves are, you know, 
2%, sorry about that, and 98%, but look at all the good we did, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you see there that, that, that narrative about the self playing out into, into mm. a projection outward of, of any negativity, of any harm, of any mm. harmful stories. Yeah, um, so as, as, as if what's been found is the needle in the haystack. Um, yeah. It just so happens that needle's been shoved into someone's eye. But, you know, it's just mm. a needle in a haystack. Uh, 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 but it's not reflective, really, of the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, and the danger of that is, is that that can be true. Mm. Like, you can find in any organisation, in any person, in any in any you know system you can find you know aberrations that don't actually reflect what that wider system is yeah. but the problem is with this rationale is that when they do it makes it impossible to recognize that mm. and so it's why you're getting all the comments of but what about all the good this church has done why don't, let's not focus let's focus on some of the more positive stories um yeah it's, it becomes incredibly hard to see that yeah and so these you know then there's a scramble to kind of get my voice back if I'm someone who's lost my voice mm. because everybody needs, they, they need, they need what I have to say. They need <laughs> yes, what I yes. have to give. The people, the people will be lost without me, you know, Yeah, because yeah. I have become the, the one who's accomplished or helped all of this good to happen. Yeah, um, I'm the one through whom God has worked to do all of mm. these amazing things. Mm. And without me, there's going to be a great loss to the kingdom. Yeah, And so yeah. sort of no matter what's happened, and no matter how horrendous, the main yeah. aim is for me to get my voice back. Yeah. Um, so because I've still got so much wisdom and, and insight and mm. amazingness mm. to to bring. And if all of this happened through and because of me, not on the backs of volunteers, mm. Mm. <laughs> um, but through my through my special gift and my genius and my voice, yeah, then the world will be lost without it. Um, when actually, what's happening is that they're lost without it. Yeah. 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 Exactly right. Uh, and and all of this connects then even to this idea of sort of who and even the sense of if if there's negative stories coming up about me that's an aberration but if it's a negative story mm. coming up about that person of the world out there then that's mm. that defines them so yeah, yeah it's like you say it's not it's not necessarily that every negative thing that's happened in our lives or every mistake that we've made or every misjudgment that we've made becomes the defining moment of our lives and we have to be forever be defined by those things. Yeah. But the but the total distortion of perspective here that, that ends up going on. Yeah. Whereby anything that I do is just yeah. a, a bit of a bit of a mistake. Yeah. Um, or was in the past. Yeah. But anything that they do is because it only of, confirms yes. the confirmation bias. Yeah. It only confirms yeah. what we already truly know about them yeah. and what we know about the world and why they need us so badly. And so who's and, kind and of the, And I, yeah. I think what it really comes down to is pattern rec- recognition, mm. is that what this doesn't allow is it doesn't allow communities or leaders to recognize what are clearly and evidently patterns to the outside world. Mm. You know, I mean, just <laughs> listen to Dave Farrier sit with, you know, over a thousand pages of emails from people describing exactly the same thing happening in a, a few contexts that mirror each other. Thousands of pages just going, why can no one see yeah. that this is a pattern? What mm. does it take? And the reality is, it, is, is it for some, no amount of evidence will be enough because you can always point to the good. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, the the... 
that is the emergence of, of hypocrisy, right? <laughs> mm. um, in yep. that space as well. Because then it's yep. like, um, when that person out there does that thing, yeah, we're very quick to jump up on our high horse and tell yep. them all the reasons why they need us and they mm. need our answer mm. and they need our rescue and they need the salvation that we're going to bring them. Yeah. Um, and so you can have a, a church that's just an absolute mess, you know, it's kind of fallen apart, but it's still seeing itself as the one to bring the answer to everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And look, you see this narrative play a little bit with some of these churches that are going through this period of accountability is that just in the statements, they're so eager to get back to transforming cities. Yes. Um, and changing the world and bringing the light of the gospel. And actually what would be great during this time is actually just to say, rather than focusing on what it is that we have to bring, let's not say we're listening, we're learning at the same time as saying we're listening, we're learning so that as soon as we're back on track, we can tell you how much you need us and where you're wrong. Like those two things don't marry well together. No, they don't. Um, and that's, yeah, it's it's... <laughs> It's it's kind of so obvious in, in some respects from the outside when you know like when you read the statements like yeah we um, yes things are are a mess but we're still here to you know to change the city um, mm. for the better to help mm. people who are lost and hurting and it's like well yeah but you yeah. guys are lost and hurting at the moment so maybe just tend yeah. to that you know just, just yeah yeah and and I, I guess I guess saying that with compassion because I mm. the, I guess my worry about this podcast is that. It feels really opportunistic and hot takey that it's just kind of like a chance to like kick people when they're down. Mm. And I just really don't, I don't really don't like that and don't resonate with that. Um, but th- there, there is just the sense in which like this pattern has replicated itself so often over the years. This is not a new thing. Mm. This is not this thing that's happening in this moment. This is, this is an outworking of the very ideology and theology that, um, particular forms of Christianity have held on to and have promoted for a long time. And one that, you know, we're not experts in this area per se, other than we have experience, a lot of experience in it. We've seen um, the, the fruit of this in our own lives and in others. And um, yeah, th- this is, this is just not, this is not new stuff. This is the inevitable conclusion of overestimating our own goodness and underestimating God's work in the world surrounding us. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it's always easy to do that. Um, mm. You know, we're all tempted by that narrative, right? Mm. And so, yeah, you come out of a space that you found to be toxic and harmful and then, you know, and then you can, again, if you just once again absorb the narrative, oh, well, now I'm the enlightened one. Mm. Uh mm. And yep. and this is not to say that, you know, this is not kind of a all sides are just as, you know, it's not like a sort of an equalizing to say that therefore we can't bring anything yeah. to account. Mm. It's more to be able to say we always, I think, need to do that for our own health from a place mm. of continuing self-reflection yeah. Um, yeah. to ask ourselves the ways in which we're tempted to to see the world in these yeah. binary ways, to see the world in sort of I'm right and they're wrong. Um, yeah. Forms, yeah, and, and and how and what ways do we open ourselves to that conversation, and mm. what ways do we genuinely open ourselves to the fact that you know we've been wrong before and we can be wrong again, yeah, um, that 
we have created harm before and participated in harm before and we can do that thing again. The, yeah, the, the, the danger of guruism is that often, you know, <laughs> I think this came out on one of the emails or one of the stories or one of the conversations we've had recently about someone saying, you know, the, the great thing about like being under a leader who says who teaches this thing here for ages and then they have a mind change on that and then they become the expert in teaching the opposite and they need to tell everybody how you know they they, they know that truth now um, and the kind of danger of that is the, the common thread is that they are still the only person worthwhile learning from and worth listening to in that community of people because they they have the answer and if they find out they are wrong then they have the new answer. And at no point does anyone else have really anything to contribute. Yeah, totally. So let's say hypothetically you wrote a book about um, a Christian approach to relationships and purity culture when you were a young person. Hypothetically. And then years later you decided that uh, um, you didn't want to kiss dating goodbye anymore, you know? Um, So there's there's Mm. a whole story around that of someone who perpetuated one story and then many years later is like, actually now I'm going to become the expert on helping you to undo the very thing that I told you in the first place yeah. and you're yeah. right still positions themselves in the expert I actually saw this week and there's a guy <laughs> Creflo Dollar who um, oh, yes. what a name uh, African American prosperity preacher in the States who I used to get up in the morning and watch um, back wow. in the day did not know that <laughs> loved it loved it and you know people would while he was preaching would come up and put money on the stage and all anyway he got his jet planes and he had all you know his, his incredible suits and um, taught tithing for like three decades very forcefully and got very wealthy, and now has decided that tithing isn't biblical, and so now he's oh. cruising around telling people that tithing isn't actually biblical. But he's, and, he's and, given all that money back, right? And he was wrong, and I'm sorry I was wrong, and here's what the answer actually is. But mm. yes, no, still still got the jets. <laughs> oh, yes. so didn't get didn't decide that reparations are a part of didn't forgiveness? Dis- no. Okay, interesting. Um, mm. And is still now the expert on kind of, yeah. on, of the story. Um, mm. Even though they've changed their mind about something, you know, it's mm. it's uh, mm. yeah. Not all the theologians who had done the work <laughs> to disprove this stuff for a long period of time uh, in obscure corners of you know darkened rooms. No, they've got nothing yeah. to say. No, no, listen, to <laughs> no. Me. listen to me. So you know, we're all tempted by that. Yeah, though, aren't we? Um, yeah. Oh, and look, this this and, like what this is an here. exercise, and uh, this is an exercise in that also. Yeah. Like you know, like even even us having this conversation. Um, there's a, a a danger in which we become a new kind of expert, and I don't know, like I'm not against expertise. I'm actually, <laughs> mm. I'm actually really big on acknowledging expertise. But there's a danger in which, um, we you know everyone has the capacity to become another kind of closed system. And yeah. I guess the challenge is how do you widen the scope of where you see goodness coming from? How do yeah. you widen the scope of where you see wisdom coming from? How what how what is your process for attaining wisdom? Is it by um, some miracle of your own personality and circumstance or is it by um, tapping into well-worn paths uh, and and being able to sit with difference and being able to let yourself um, be challenged and to learn from people from other perspectives and other mm. places than you? Yeah, this is um, it's good. It's good reflection. I think it's... Um it's a, such an invitation for all of us in the ongoing way in which we participate in the world. Mm. And especially for those of us who maybe want to participate in the world that does continue to cultivate a sense of faith and spirituality and an openness to, to something divine or some one divine, mm. or whatever language people might feel comfortable giving that. Mm. Um, 
is is yeah, not not to say that um, we mustn't ever offer expertise or mm. thoughts or reflections to one another, but the openness with which we are able to yeah the, the closed dismantling the closed system I think is, is such a crucial mm. part of of cultivating kind of a healthier mature perhaps um, kind of approach to faith and to life where we're able to hear from people who aren't like us uh, yeah. and learn from people who aren't mm. like us mm. um, and, and and learn from people who have done the work and yeah. done different kinds yeah, of yeah. work because yeah. um, I think one of the, one of the other things you, you know that all of this leads to is that when you think you're the good guys, you're more likely to back confidence than expertise. Mm. So if you can consider, like, you know, I know, <laughs> I know people who I love that, you know, if any preacher comes on the TV, they'll think that they've got something brilliant to say um, because they're good and they're confident and mm. therefore they should be listened to and they should be respected. Um, now, they don't know anything about their character. They don't know anything about how they treat people behind the scenes. They don't know anything about their study or what they've done or where they draw their wisdom from or how they learn. Um, but we are kind of set up in lots of ways within this good guy's structure, um, you know, for people kind of at the, you know, who, who aren't leaders in, this, in, in these spheres to just think that confidence is the same thing mm. as wisdom. Um, and, it's, and, it, and it's not. <laughs> it's often... The inverse. Well, yes, I think that is interesting. Like the even in going on the study journey, is that the more study I did, and this is often mm. true of like, and, and and perhaps this is why sometimes you know people who are experts end up sounding less confident, clear, and sure than people who aren't experts. Yes, is <laughs> because absolutely. the more expertise you develop, the more you realise you don't know. Yeah, um, the Dunning Dunning Kruger effect. Yeah, and so you know. Um, that's sometimes why the people with the least knowledge can be the most effective at sort of gathering a following because they can sound so confident and so sure of themselves. Yeah. 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 And there's some part of us that wants to be sure. Like it, it alleviates yeah. our fear yeah. when we feel like someone has the answer that we that we no longer need to question. Like it's hard work to question. It's un, yes. it's it's scary to be uncertain. And so when someone can provide us with a, and a, a, a kind of key to bypassing all of that, then that's a much more comfortable and safe place. Well, it feels that way anyway. Yeah, so, so that sense of certainty functions, right? Functions for mm. us. It, it mm. is meeting a need. Yeah. And, um, and one of my concerns through this whole conversation, actually, or not just this conversation, but my concerns through what is kind of unfolding. And, you know, it's, it's not like it's suddenly unfolding now and hasn't been happening for years. Mm. Um, but one of my concerns for, for lots of people at the moment is that the, the kind of the frameworks of certainty and, and sureness, mm. they go hand in hand with kind of being on the right side and, and being yeah. in on, on the right thing. You know, as those frameworks start to get threatened, start to crack apart and, mm. and be seen for the fact that, that maybe they aren't, as right or as sure or as certain as they were, that that certainty was holding people together in a certain kind of way. Yeah. It was meeting a yeah. need. Mm. Um, it certainly was for me when I was, you know, in that kind of system. Mm. And so it can be a very um, uncomfortable, scary mm. um, feeling and experience to, to not have that kind of certainty to put your trust in. 
to not have the authoritative person who's going to tell you the answer yeah. and tell you the right thing to do or to believe or to say. That can yeah. feel genuinely um, terrifying, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And especially when, again, with the light and dark, you know, good and evil thing, that you have been now being kind of cast into the world of darkness. Mm. So you're, mm. when the goodness has broken um, and can no longer be trusted or you're beginning to lose faith in it or beginning to have doubts and your options are this caricature of what exists outside of this place in the dark place, mm. um, then that's that's really frightening. And if you haven't, I mean, because I just think about the kind of emotionality at work here that, that these things aren't just rational cognitive things. They're actually mm. um, they're emotional containers and they've been safe containers for us, um, And which is why even when we're violated within those safe containers, they can be really hard to leave because at least it's a container. Mm. Where else is the place of safety for me to go to? And once yeah. that container cracks or begins to break down, we can kind of cl- cling on to fragments of it as long as we can because we've got nothing else to grab and we've got nothing mm. else to hold on to. And mm. one of the kind of greatest tricks of this binary system is essentially to say, without this, you will be lost. Yeah. And so if this breaks down, if you lose trust in me, if you lose trust in this, you lose God, you lose safety, you lose your container, there's nothing else good out there um, and you'll become one of the bad people and you are ultimately alone. And I, you know, I'm a massive, <laughs> I'm a massive fan of faith, faith crises in the way that doubt can crack us open to see God in new forms and to see God as God's self um, that can break away um, unhelpful or harmful images of God that we've clung on to that don't actually represent who God is. But I am also incredibly cautious in um, being one of those people who tries to trigger faith crises in people by pulling things apart for them and poking holes in their theology and you know just generally being an asshole trying to show why people are wrong. Um, because actually having some kind of safe container to move into and some kind of you know, emotional padding to actually allow you to make that transition um, is really, really dangerous for for, for lots of people um, or, or at least way more painful than it needs to be. I mean, I think mm. we've talked about finding the Sanity Club when we, mm. you know, a bunch of us found each other. And it's only really the fact that the five of us kind of got together in the first place that we were able to kind of navigate this with any kind of sense of support. Mm. Um, and and that actually, that that saved us. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I, th- I sometimes, and, and we've seen this, and we've mentioned this before, that sometimes the attitude towards those who are still within systems like this is yeah. quite callous. It's, you know, what mm. either you're staying because you like to support abusers, <laughs> yeah, or yeah, you're st- yeah. or you, you know, yeah. or, or whatever, um, or you're stupid, or what, yeah. whatever it is that the the accusations yeah. that are thrown at people. But I, mm. but I have a lot of empathy for people who find it hard or even impossible to leave some of these spaces because. Yeah. The way this those is the spaces only are built. goodness I've ever known, and this is what I've been told has been yeah, good yeah. the entire time, and I have a massive fear about the world outside this. And what so, if, yeah, even if this has got problems, what if all of the other places out there just have more problems than this? Yeah, so better the devil yeah. you know in that sense, even. Or would you rather have problems and be right, or less problems and be wrong? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. All, all very good to all very good to um to 
have less harm in your life, but if you're going to burn mm. forever afterwards, it's not much. Well, yeah, I mean, there's always that yeah. that trump card. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, we're sort of. Um, <laughs> Should we try way, and get back on we're track? We're way off our notes. <laughs> <laughs> We've only got three not notes, and we're well away from them. Um. <laughs> but I, I think you know this this theme of kind of openness of opening up to people is really important. Mm. Um, of opening up to mm. one another of opening mm. up to the possibility of of insight, of truth, and even of God yeah. being present to us in places that we don't expect. You know, yeah. this is, this is, this I think maybe encourages us to even, um, to collaborate with others rather than the, if we're the, like the good ones yeah. who have the answers, then we're much less yeah. likely to actually Absolutely. collaborate with, with people yeah. beyond us, right? Yeah, yeah. Some, some of the lessons that I've learned about what I find to be healthy church life and healthy leadership practices and that I've had to learn hard lessons about in the last 15 years, I could have learned a lot earlier if I hadn't been an expert. (laughs) I remember someone in our city um, coming and admiring our youth group and saying, uh, you should run some kind of seminar about running youth groups um, and teach us all how to do good youth group things. And I was like, cool, that sounds good. That sounds like something helpful I could do. And I remember that a gathering of about 20 people got together uh, and I was supposed to be talking about how to run good youth groups, which for me was primarily about having really good games. I was very <laughs> good at that. Um, and there was a person who I hadn't met in the room, or a couple actually, who had just recently moved over from Australia to work for the Salvation Army church there. And I don't know them. I don't know anything really about anyone except for myself because <laughs> I was great. Um, and I started talking. The person introduced me. It was kind of, was kind of sitting in a circle. And I started talking and the person said, that they, it was a husband and wife, and the husband said, Oh, not this shit again. I can't do this again. <laughs> like louder than under his breath. Um, and then said, this is exactly like what we had from this other church in Sydney, Australia, who always used to try and do this to us. But they don't understand anything about working with these kinds of communities Maybe we could teach them something about this. All of this was one long, semi-under-this-breath sentence to his wife and his wife going, oh, come on, love. Like, he might have something okay to say. <laughs> and him just going like, oh. <laughs> and me going, why would you think that you had anything to teach me? Like, I have the biggest intermediate age youth group in New Zealand. Like, why would you get to talk? And looking back now, and I've thought about that so many times in the last 15 years of going so many of the things that sit so dear to my heart now, I probably could have learned from that couple who had profoundly different experiences Mm. of what it was to care for young people Mm. than I did. Um, But you don't need to know that when you already know everything. (laughs) This happens on so many layers, right? Because this happens, and we've talked a bit about this too, but it happens within churches. Mm. You know, so you you have the, I don't know, the the preacher, like, yep. and you or and I still still talk to in our communities at times. Mm. Um, you know, get up and sort of give these talks on these various things, but but the temptation for for that preacher person 
who lives inside a church bubble just about their whole life, perhaps, oh, to get yes. up and give some expertise on, you know, the way that we yeah. should really be caring for X, Y, and Z when you've mm. got, I don't know, social workers, um, yep. nurses, yep. Uh, all sorts of, you know, people working in, in from your own church who yep. have a thousand percent more insight into some of those issues yep. than you do, but because you're the yep. sort of the person, the expert, the good one, the one mm. with the answers, mm. the, the confident one, mm. uh, you get to sort you, you sort of tell yourself, no, I've got something to tell these people, you know, mm. and then mm. that spins out again. So then, so that kind of happens within the church community and then that happens mm. from the church community to the community beyond it. And so, yeah, instead of, we, we really want to do something for, I don't know, such and such a group within our city who are in real, yep. who are in real need. The poor. The poor, for example. <laughs> you know, that yes. homogenous group of people that we know nothing about except they don't have as much money as us. Yeah. And so we'll just decide what they need and yep. roll in and deliver it. Um, aside from the fact that people have been working <laughs> we'll in those stamp communities. stamp them with our logo yeah, on the yeah, way out. Yeah. We'll brand them. But there, yeah. will, there will have been people working in those communities for 20, 30, 40 years yeah. with yeah. such insight about the complexity of what's going on mm. in those communities mm. and the issues that are at play mm. and what the real needs are and, and the long, slow work of what it means to come alongside those people. And, and, yeah. But those, those voices don't, don't get to play a part. You know, whether they're the, the Sallies. Yeah. Um, or even worse, if they're like a, a not Christian, not for profit, mm. um, <laughs> who's doing work, you know? Why would yeah. we listen to anything that they have to say? Because yeah. they don't have the answer. Um, I mean, let alone yeah. even just people of wisdom within the commu- those communities mm. that don't actually have an official title or aren't part of an organization, because organizations aren't the only ways things get yeah, fixed, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> the living human web, it doesn't exist just inside particular yes. corporate structures. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So when you're the good guys, I think one of the things that you tend to do is, is, is homogenize entire groups of people um, mm. because you think that you understand them. And um, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, um, who's a novelist and um, author who writes some amazing things, um, has a interesting talk and um, essay on the danger of a single story. We might have referenced it in one of the other pods, but about, you know, if we talk about um, people in Africa, if we talk about poor people, if we talk about this or that, we talk about these particular groups, um, we homogenize them as one uh, singular entity with uh, no difference in amongst that very diverse group of people. And we really quickly diagnose what we feel is wrong with them and therefore what answer they might need. Um, and we know nothing of the nuances or or textures of their life. And that's where you get things like, you know, people turning up to that beautiful country of Africa <laughs> with bundles of T-shirts because that's what Africa needs is one million T-shirts. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, these com- these communities which have been, you know, screwed over by uh, long periods of colonization and um, have left horrific political power vacuums, um, get dumped with a whole heap of T-shirts uh, and we've gone and done something great in the world. <laughs> Hooray for us. Um, yeah, yeah. Like... Yeah. Our, 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 we overestimate our capacity for understanding something that we've only actually just glanced at. And then we can talk about them. Like this, you and I have a friend who once had to do a talk on sexuality um, <laughs> yeah. and they got invited to this uh, 
place and it was kind of like a group of pastors at a church somewhere and then the person introducing them said you know we're going to be talking so-and-so has come to talk about about sexuality today and you know I was talking to a a, a gay person I met a while ago and they said they don't even want to get married because they're just enjoying having so much sex with everyone why would they be bothered getting married and so that's what the gays are like and to tell us what God thinks about them here's so-and-so yeah what an intro (laughs) and so that's that's the intro onto this homogenous group of people called the gays yeah. with one single agenda called the gay agenda. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I actually remember a, a story from when I was younger of some people who were doing some work in Mongolia among a nomadic community. And uh, and they ended up getting contacted by an American church network who want, or church who wanted to raise money and fund this fledgling church community amongst a nomadic community. Now, plenty of layers of problems. <laughs> yeah. anyway, <laughs> it's not getting without getting onto all of that, the funniest thing was the church back in America decided that what they wanted to donate was a drum kit. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the people who were over there were like, um, this is a, firstly, it's not the kind of music that... Um, <laughs> We do. Can they not even hold a four four beat? And and and, and we, secondly, could give, we could give them that too. We're nomadic. Like this is a nomadic <laughs> community who who up sticks and moves like every two months. Um. <laughs> any musician, any musician in the band knows that it's the drummer who has the hardest job <laughs> lugging their kit around. Exactly. <laughs> um, but no, the church was like, no, no, no. We've prayed about it, and this is what we've. This is okay. what we feel God wants us to do. So off they did. Buy this wow. drum kit and package. Could they not at least have given them a station wagon with it? <laughs> well, yeah, that would have been helpful. Yeah, um, and just just kind of the yeah the 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 classic kind of assumption that we mm. know what these people need these mm. these people over there, and so yeah, when yep. they're when they're out there somewhere in the dark world, then yep. there's no nuance, there's no insight, mm. there's no willingness to learn and to listen and to to yep. find, in fact, that these people might have something to offer you. Um, in terms of experience and knowledge and truth and wisdom in the world. Um, could we talk just really briefly, could we just go back to city, talking about cities? Because yes. this, like, talking about cities instead of neighbourhoods mm. um, or or people mm. groups or... Mm. But because this this whole idea of having multiple cities on your website, um, this whole obsession with saving a city or winning a city or transforming a city... Um, again, this 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 homogenization and the sense of that you know what it is that an entire city needs, as if that's even a thing or a or a nation, winning mm. nations. Um, that 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 effectively that God, what God's trying to do is to make us all into the same thing, which happens to be just like us. Yeah. Um. And so if someone can become white passing or middle class passing or straight passing or whatever it is that they need to transform themselves into to become so that we can consider them one is actually just really, really um, naive but also really offensive and violating Mm. for the people that are attempting, (laughs) that we, quote unquote, we are attempting to win. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just incredibly problematic, and the the what it does to our churches is it does homogenize them, as it does um, 
create a homogenous group of people with particular kinds of tokenism that we lean into when we need to. And again, we're two straight white guys talking about uh, about this tokenism. Mm. But um, it's you, we, we kind of like pick bits of culture that we find interesting and appropriate them and bring them in. Uh, we don't give them any power. We don't give them any voice. We don't let them transform and change us in any significant way. But we use we use them and then we're happy to um, to have them as a part of our space as long as they don't, don't actually really essentially change it. Mm. And it's just, it's just massively problematic that when we think good, we think like us. And when we think like us, we think in terms of gender and class and race and all these things. And um, for everyone who's anti-woke has probably switched off this podcast already. Um, but these things none of these things define us in their entirety, but all of these things are a part of us mm. and suppressing them and homogenizing them is just incredibly harmful for starters, but they're also gifts that we're missing out on. We miss out on so many gifts because we try and make people like us. Yeah, it's, um, and, it, and it's, it is, it comes back to that language that overarching, amorphous mm. kind of language that means so little but sounds so important, which is yeah. changing a city or winning yep. a nation. Yep. Um, because because what's the end goal of that? What does it look yeah. like? Yeah. One gigantic stadium-sized church still with one person, with one white dude telling everyone what to yeah. do. Like well, that's no, what winning a nation looks oh, totally. like. Totally, that's the goal. You know, and I remember, you know, it won't, one day maybe it'll be Eden Park that'll be full, you know. Did is, you know they built is, Eden Park not for the All Blacks? Right. They built it for the church. Yeah, yeah. They, they just, just don't, don't know, it. know it yet. Yeah. Um, Eden Park, if you don't know, if you're not from New Zealand, is a, is a uh, New Zealand's largest sports stadium in, in Auckland. And that was that's the kind of rhetoric, right? The the yeah. And so, yeah, what is the vision of, of winning a city, of transforming a city? The vision really is everybody becoming a Christian and attending yeah. our church meetings where we will tell them yeah. how amazing we are <laughs> yeah. um, and, and tell them the like answers us. to their lives and what mm. they need to do. And mm. won't it be great once we have you know, um, influence over politicians and mm. people who run education and health and blah, 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 will come to the church and say, what do we need to do? And we'll tell them. You know, This is, again, the kind of um, within kind of um, Pentecostal evangelical thinking that kind of we're mm. going to be, be churches of influence yeah. Well, um, social workers have proven that they can't fix everything. Yeah. So they need the church. No, it's just towards, especially, you know, the, 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 the older I got and the more study I started to do, just remembering, yeah, starting to realize the complexity of, of life as it is. And just being like, <laughs> if the education department of the government came to you and asked you for what your suggestions, what on earth would you have to say about the funding system that's needed in order to, you know, bring uh, <laughs> certain or educational outcomes? how children outcomes. learn and pedagogy oh, totally. and all this. About all anything. Things, no idea about such <laughs> it's just long arguments and such so much depth and like <laughs> centuries of yeah. study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just kind yeah. of bizarre. But it all does flow from the sense of we're the ones with the answers, right? We're the, we're the, mm. And ultimately mm. Jesus is the answer. If you can yes, boil everything and we down. have Jesus, and so we have Jesus, so we have, we the, have answer. the answer. Yeah. So perhaps it's worth as we as we um <laughs> as we head to the, as we laugh ourselves into mania. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um. To one of the things that, as I was thinking about having this conversation, that um, 
that I was thinking about is, and, and we sort of hinted about it even earlier in talking about how that certainty functions for us and what that kind of means for us, is um, the, the sense of how meaningful and important it can be for us to feel like, as a Christian, we've got mm. hope. We've got the hope of the world. We've got the mm. answer. Mm. And so much of the energy and impetus in mm. church life comes from that sense of mm. we're the ones with the thing to bring to the world. Yep. Yep. And that's a big part of what it is to be a Christian. I became a Christian. I mm. was saved mm. from I was lost, but now I'm found, you know, mm. um, to use that language. And some of that language is really meaningful, you know. And, and for, yeah, for lots of, I mean, like yeah. your, your, your parents, right? Like their, yeah, totally. their experience yeah. of becoming Christians from the life experience that they have mm. was this kind of transformation of feeling like, wow, we were actually really in trouble. And then yeah. we found this thing and we found such depth and goodness in it. Like it was that night and day for them. Absolutely, yeah. And and for many people, that's the story. Mm. Um, and, you know, I have moments in my life where I think about that too. I think about how mm. how meaningful my faith has been to me in terms of helping me navigate, mm. you know, through through life's complexity. But And that was even before you met me. That was, yeah. And then you came yeah, into my life and brought and such things really went the, up another the truth level. bombs that came once I started <laughs> hanging out with you. <laughs> when I adopted you as an extrovert adopts an introvert. Hey, you're great. You should be my, you will be my friend. All introverts okay. need, a, need an extrovert to adopt them. <laughs> okay. It's the only way we make friends. <laughs> friends then. I, I don't actually want to, but I don't know how to say no because I'm in Enneagram 9. Yep, and so we've been friends for 12 years. I'm still summoning up still the courage. Are. Yep. yep. Um, <laughs> I'm more than 12, or however many it is. Anyway, um, so I think, you know, so so we want to we wanna be able to hold together the sense that faith can be and is, for many mm. people, incredibly meaningful mm. is a nourishing and sustaining resource in their lives. Yeah. And yet part of what we're seeing here is the problem is when, when it becomes more than that, when it becomes the answer that everybody else needs in exactly the way that I've experienced it, yeah. and I've got it and they don't, then we see all of the stuff that we've been talking about kind of flows out of that. Um, but, but also when it becomes separate to the goodness that is all over the place. Mm. So the, the, if it's a binary where only we can have God's beauty, truth, and goodness, where only we can have God's wisdom, where only we can have any sense of real depth and real love and real care, then we're missing some of the fundamentals of our faith, which is that all of humanity is God's beloved, that God has never abandoned the world, that God is always present in and with and through people, um, that those who think that they have God and think they have the monopoly on God, throughout the Bible, the Bible is littered with stories of people being surprised where God shows up and who God shows up in and through. Um, this idea that we have the monopoly on goodness, that you know, cultures in years gone by didn't know how to care for one another, that they didn't know what fidelity looked like, that they didn't know what love was. And... So unless it's, again, unless it's branded with Christianity slash our church, that it's not really the real deal and the real version that God doesn't exist there. We're essentially saying that God is in the house and God is nowhere else. Mm. That's a good T-shirt. Mm. Um, we'll put that on our merch list. <laughs> on our merch list. It's just massively problematic uh, because basically it says that 
unless it's come through me, God doesn't exist in the world. Mm. And that God has abandoned all of history until we came along. And I just think that the Bible constantly ruptures that story of where goodness lies. And that's not to say that there's no goodness in our understanding of God, but it's to say that God is at work in and through people and nature and systems and things all over the place. And that if we can learn to recognize what that goodness looks like and to be prepared to have that ruptured, that we find God in the stranger, that we find God in the other, that we find God, you know, that we find God when we visit the prisoner, when we care for the sick, when we, you know, when we do those things that Jesus described that we we serve and find Jesus. And it's not just that we serve Jesus by doing that, but it's actually that we see and learn what Jesus is like in the belovedness of those that would otherwise categorize as other. There's yeah. goodness in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I think the energy, if you like, the, the sense of meaning for our Christian faith, mm. if that's what you have or want to figure out if you still have, <laughs> um, does not have to come from being the winners, mm-hmm. does not have mm-hmm. to come from being the ones with the thing that everybody needs. Like yeah. That's the not the only way, you know, to find to no. find meaning in, in your faith. Yeah. Um, you know, I have this conversa- kind of conversation sometimes with my, especially my first year theology students when I when I teach theology, um, when we, when I challenge some of the binary categories that maybe they've inherited, and, and so often from the students comes back the question, but then what would the point of being a Christian be if it wasn't? <laughs> yeah. so we can't that, win, you know. Yeah, what's the point? Um, and I'm always like, that's exactly the right question. Mm. What is the point mm. of being a Christian if it's not about sort of winning and being right and having the answer that everybody needs? That yeah. actually opens you up to explore mm. a whole new way of thinking about um, yeah. the meaning of your faith and, like you say, of where God actually is present and at, and at work in the world yeah. uh, among whom and, and how we can uh, open up with some wonder and some curiosity mm. to actually to find God present in all sorts of interesting Mm. Um, and surprising places. And realize that, that that doesn't actually diminish the goodness, beauty, and truth that you see in the person of Jesus, if that's what you end mm. up with. Mm. Or in your own life. Or in your own life. It doesn't, you know, to to see goodness and wisdom and truth and beauty and insight in the other who might look nothing like me, might not even hold mm. to my faith. Mm. Does not mean that the truth and the good. That they're now the winners. That they're now the winners, exactly. And now I'm the loser. Um, yeah. That kind of competitive sort of game, mm. you know, we can let that go. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a three year old, Rufus, and at the moment, I'm sort of dreading the day when competitiveness doesn't get him to do things because he's right in that phase of <laughs> when he doesn't want to do something, you know, of, I'll be first to the car. No, yep. I will. I'll, you know, so everything. I faced, that, I faced that day the other day when my uh, six-year-old turned to me and said, that's just a dad trick. <laughs> Only Sam falls for dad tricks. I'm six. And from that day, like literally that day, any reverse psychology, any kind of dad tricks I tried on him, he just turns and looks at me and says, that's just a 
dad trick. <laughs> and I can't get him to do anything. Oh, so that day comes. Look, I'm already yeah. grieving when that day will come <laughs> um, because it's the only way sometimes you get a little person oh, to do something. Oh, yeah, about it. Um, but, you know, the, the hope would be that like mm. your six-year-old, we do actually mm. go out of that way of seeing things, that mm. we don't need to be the winners for something mm. to matter, mm. um, that, we, that ours doesn't have to be better than theirs in order for ours to mean something. Mm. that um, we don't have to have all of the truth and they can't have any of it for mm. us to have something true. Yeah. And, and, I, and I hope, because, because, I th- because when we have to fall into those binaries, then all of the stuff that we've talked about today yeah. uh, and really over the last 1100 episodes we've been talking about this, you know, mm. that's what kind of comes from, from the need to cling to the binary certainty thing. Yeah. I understand that the, the desire for it, I understand... Mm. The, the need for it sometimes in our lives to be able to just mm. tell me, am I right? Am I on the right yeah. side? Am I on the right team? Yeah. Um, but, but I hope we can, we can grow through that and allow ourselves to open up to the world. And look, the good news on the other side of it is that you can grow comfortable and secure and kind and happy on the other side of that binary. Yeah that I'm actually a far less anxious person mm. on the other side of that binary. Mm. I actually see more beauty in the world on the other side of that binary. Um, and I think it comes out in the kind of, if, if leaders within the church, if you want to use the word leaders still, and that might violate you too much, but you know, if people who get to help curate that space and curate that community, like it's just really interesting how often the people who end up in these places are charismatic hyper-competitive, quick-to-talk, slow-to-listen humans. Mm. Um, if instead we recognize wisdom in another form of being, and again, not as a new guru to replace the old one, but someone that can facilitate conversation, open themselves, learn from one another, l- help curate a space where people learn what it is to disagree kindly, where we learn the discipline of not just saying the answer to this Bible passage is or the one thing that has to say to us is that, um, but to actually sit in that tension together and learn that, immense beauty can pour forth. Mm. You can still have a good life and a good faith without being the winner. Yeah. Yeah, I think is that the slow bit where we end the podcast that's now? Because that, that's we've how slow ruined, bit we've it, ruined um, it by being by, by stopping being sarcastic little shits for a little while. <laughs> look, we're just trying to keep the people guessing, you know. Like <laughs> underneath, are we really? Is what we really are is kind of empathetic, uh, softly Good spoken, people? kind people, or underneath is oh. what we really are: sarcastic, cynical, um, terrible people. Yeah, you be the judge. <laughs> Find out next time on, on the, <laughs> the great reveal. Yeah, <laughs> Michael's actually the mean one. Ha <laughs> um, ha. Awesome, Shane. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, so there we go. Thanks as always to Reese Michelle for taking the dodginess of the audio files that I give him and turning them into something listenable in your ears. Until next time. <laughs>